Hi, this is Lou Rosenfeld, and you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. Greg Petrov. Hey, Greg. Hey, Lou. How are you today? Great. Great to have you on our podcast. Greg is um, someone that many of you already know. He is, uh, among other things, one of the co-founders of the Interaction Design Association. And these days, he's got a really interesting role uh, as uh, the chief experience officer for GE Software. I almost want to say, Greg, that you're kind of one of the, the poster boys and GE Software is one of the, the leading organizations for really bringing user experience to the fore in uh, large enterprise environments, which, by the way, is why we're having you do the opening keynote, kicking things off at Enterprise UX 2015 this uh, May in San Antonio. So now that I've put you on the spot and built up all this pressure on you, I think you're a pretty good table setter. Why? Why? Does GE have a, a chief experience officer? And is that emblematic of where businesses in general, or at least where we're going? Yeah, I think that um, that's a great question. We're in an interesting moment or, or journey for GE, and it resolves around a couple of things. One, the company about four years ago, five years ago, did an audit on itself and discovered that it was one of the largest software companies in the world. And, it didn't really know that because of the way GE's sort of structured. Uh, and it learned a couple of things in that review. One, that it wasn't actually building software particularly well, and it needed to learn how to bring professional software development capability to the organization. It had to take advantage of you know, things like cloud computing and some of the sort of really interesting things from a technical perspective that are going on right now in computer science because we are in a kind of sea change moment where uh, the way software gets built is in a radical transformation. It was a good moment for GE to evaluate you know, everything that it was doing with software and, and one of the key issues that uh, we discovered was that we weren't pr- providing or producing experiences that were particularly useful for our customers. Uh, they weren't cohesive. It doesn't mean that things have to be the same, but they didn't feel like they were coming from the same company. Uh, and frankly, they weren't really designed for people. They were sort of uh, the kitchen sink of functionality and capability thrown into a piece of software. So as part of the reassessment, the company realized that design was going to be an important part of getting it right. Um, I joined in uh, July of 2011, and we, you know, slowly built a community inside the company. We built a sort of center of gravity around talking about design. We, we spent a lot of time doing evangelism with uh, key executives in the company to express what UX and design practice could mean for better outcomes. And um, we sort of methodically started by working on projects and showcasing how those projects could make an impact. Uh, and, you know, by doing that, uh, we've gained a lot of credibility inside the organization and have, built, have been able to build quite a large UX and design team uh, inside the company. And I think uh, we've demonstrated that uh, certainly at a company the size of GE and in, and in large enterprises, design actually scales very well. There's all kinds of outcomes that are really positive. It's not just better experiences for our end users and our customers. It's lower development cost. It's 
better focus on what the problem that needs to be solved is so you don't waste resources solving the wrong problem. And it's uh, the ability to get to market faster. So that's kind of been the journey that we've been on, and it's been exciting. So, Greg, you make it sound a bit effortless, and I want to come back to that, but it sounds like you had a strong case in terms of cutting development costs to make the decision makers. But did you have a hard time making the same case to other types of problem solvers, like, for example, engineers and developers? Yeah, I make it sound simple, and it certainly wasn't. I think um, uh, we we benefited from a couple of things early on. We had very strong executive support, and we had uh, resources um, that we could uh, deploy. So we didn't have to ask for resources early on. Uh, and I know that for some people listening, that may sound like um, Shangri La, but you know we were very lucky in the in the case of uh, of being able to tackle the problem the way we thought it should be tackled at the beginning without a lot of restraints. That being said, uh, you know enterprises are definitely um, places where you have to show results, and and GE is definitely a show me culture, uh, and you have to deliver. So, you know what we did is we've tackled and focused on a couple of really key things. Uh, we looked for either early adopter stakeholders who were not risk adverse and were willing to try something new, or we looked for product owners who were in sort of the pit of despair, you know, what Doblin calls the pit of despair, where they've tried everything and nothing's working and therefore they're willing to try something new and, and go along with you. And we executed really hard on those projects. So we focused a lot of attention on doing those well and, and we got some early wins and those early wins allowed us to build a lot of momentum around the value of design. Uh, and then the other thing that we did, and I think this is something that um, is connected to where we are right now with the presentation technologies that we get to use, you know, the HTML5 and web components, et cetera. Uh, we built a design system inside of GE uh, or for GE that wasn't really, a, a, you know, a classic design system, meaning that it wasn't really developed for UX people. It was developed for developers. And, uh, and we published it internally inside of GE almost as if it was an open source project inside the company with no governance whatsoever, which is kind of antithetical to the way most UX organizations work. They, you know, if they, if they have some status, they want to control, you know, uh, projects and programs. We, we made the opposite decision. We decided that there was no way for us to hire enough talent to make a large impact. So our best bet was to bring our friends or colleagues in the development organizations along with us by making their lives easier. You know, the key way to do that was use our system and take less time, use our system, build better code, use our system uh, and deliver projects where you don't have to fight with the product owner over things you don't care about, which might be design related issues, especially with someone who may not actually be qualified to be having the conversation to begin with. What we discovered is when we did that, it, it was like a wildfire that we set inside the company. We released it in August of 2012, uh, we did a little sleight of hand. We released it four months early, um, which gives you a lot of credibility inside of organizations. If you can ever release something early, it's a good thing. Um, and by the end of that year, we had about 30 projects using it. Uh, and I would say at this point, you know, fast forward uh, two and a half years into the future, there are over 500 projects in GE that are using the design system. There are you know, lots of designers working with the design system, and there are lots of non-designers working with the design system. 
but the quality of the experiences that we're creating inside of GE has uh, improved immeasurably. The request to have design resources has grown because as people have become familiar with uh, using it, uh, they recognize that they may not have the best expertise um, and that they like building better software and they might ask for more UX resources to participate because you know they, they now actually kind of care about what they're doing. And then the other thing that we did is early on we benchmarked, we sort of A-B tested projects which were similar in nature and looked at uh, the projects that were using the design system and the projects that weren't. And uh, we saw some pretty dramatic productivity gains, you know, upwards in the 50 to 100% productivity gains, which is a crazy number. Um, but really we were seeing teams either getting twice as much work done in the same amount of time or completing the project in half the time than the control group. And so inside of a large organization, that's a, a winning argument. That's an argument that allows you to say, look, we're contributing to the bottom line by either taking cost out or, or making our teams more productive uh, along the way. So Greg, hearing you talk, it makes me think of a couple things. One is that it sounds like your approach at GE was to get established or get the, get UX established by really taking a, almost a supporting role to developers' efforts, making their lives easier, removing pain and desperation from their work. Is it, or has it been difficult to recruit people on the UX side to a setting that might at least initially require them to maybe set aside their egos to some degree, maybe not be the center of attention, but to really be in more of a supporting role as uh, you built your organization? That's a good question. Um, you know, we were very careful early on to hire people who uh, saw the long-term opportunity. I think one of the things about being successful in enterprise is you have to think in time frames of years, not weeks. And that's challenging for younger designers who you know want to see work make it out to the street. We had plenty of really interesting work. I mean, building a design system is a fascinating project and program, so that was exciting, and that was allowed us to draw a really talented team of, of visual designers, interaction designers, and um, a role we call design technologists, sort of you know developers who love design or designers who know how to code. And then the project work that we had, we had enough early project work that was just really cool that we could focus where we, as we brought people on board, they, they could plug in and act sort of like a, an agency inside of GE doing work for a development team. And that was kind of the early on process. So we didn't encounter as many issues with uh, having to be, you know, sort of in a support role. We certainly encountered many issues around how to work better in Scrum and Agile teams. Um, we had a you know, development organization that uh, didn't really understand UX, um, uh, you know, would ask for UX to be involved after all the decisions had been made, so sort of putting lipstick on a pig. Um, and so, you know, we had to fight, you know, some battles there. But, you know, I was sort of the, the mode with the team that, you know, you bend, you don't break, you teach, you share, um, and we will out-execute the development team. And if we do that over time, people will come to know the value that we provide and create. And our ability to be in the, in, the, in the thick of things will increase. I also think that right now we're in an interesting moment for UX profession, too, because you know many of the things that we take as sacrosanct are open for challenge, and I think they should be open for challenge. And, and that has a lot to do with 
uh, lean startup principles, um, the fact that the presentation layer, the front end is so fast and facile now that um, we can make to think um, may allow us in some cases to sort of, you know, start first versus doing research, which, you know, sounds uh, heretical, but um, there are many projects where that might be the better approach. So, you know, we've just sort of hunkered in. Um, we, we, we focus a lot on, on, you know, good conversations with people, a lot on um, helping our developer friends sort of understand the value of design and helping our UX team understand, you know, what's going on with development right now, which is in a huge transformation. I mean, moving from on-premise to the cloud, moving from C to JavaScript, moving from moving from a world where you have monolithic software to microservices, you know, their world is upside down as much as, you know, we're trying to help them. And so uh, we have to have some empathy for our development colleagues. Um, and there's huge opportunities for us to help them, but also some changes in the way that we need to work because, you know, in the tech stack that that is emerging, um, teams can build software really fast. And, uh, you know, where does that leave room for the design team to have enough time to sort of think through a problem? Uh, how do you integrate, interact with engineering in a way where you actually have enough time to be successful? You know, those are things we still don't have figured out, but we're working hard at it. It's going to also be really interesting to um, to think about how the the approach that you're taking, which has a lot to do with culture there at, at GE, um, contrasts with what Phil Gilbert and his team are doing over at IBM. And, and Phil's also on our program at Enterprise UX 2015. Um, my understanding is they're, they're actually taking a, a slightly different approach that probably makes more sense given their culture and their leadership. Uh, they're, they're really concentrating on building design capacity initially. Uh, that's that's their, their near-term goal. Um, and maybe a little different approach. And if you and if I see you and Phil uh, chatting over in the corner somewhere during the conference, I'm, I'm going to run over and, and if I can, I'm going to st- set my voice memo to on on my iPhone and see if I can capture a few snippets. Oh, yeah. What Phil's doing is fascinating. I had a chance to talk with him at South by Southwest a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, they have the, the journey that they're on is pretty interesting. And yes, they're doing some things that are similar to us, but they're operating at a scale that, you know, we don't even touch. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with um, um, as they deploy design inside their organizations. You know, we have to we grew quite a bit. You know, we grew from zero to about 85 people in three years in the design team that we have in San Ramon. And UX is a core competency in the company has probably grown similarly. Well, it's a great story. Uh, and it's a great story that you'll tell uh, in your opening keynote at the conference. Um, so uh, I certainly wish we had more time today, but uh, I'm lucky I'll get to be at the conference and uh, others are certainly welcome. Uh, there, there's always more room. Uh, and um, really looking forward to having you uh, participate. Thanks so much, Greg.